Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Welcome back to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving uh, and I hope you didn't eat too much. Actually, I hope you ate a whole bunch because you deserve it. So we're full fledged into Christmas season now, which makes me so excited. So anyone do on Christmas Day? Because, you know, that's my birthday. So let me know if I have a birthday twin to look forward to. Because that would be so exciting. And hopefully all of you that are due on Christmas don't get a delay in your delivery, okay? Uh, I was actually born on Christmas Day, but my due date was actually the 18th of December. So my mom had to suffer a whole nother week with me. But look how, look at the blessing she got in me, right? <laughs> so let me know who's due around the time of Christmas so I can be on on the lookout for these new babies, these new twins. So speaking of twins, today we're going to talk about Irish twins. So when we say Irish twins, this refers to having two children 12 months apart or less. So this basically means that you got pregnant when your child was just three months old, okay? Yes, we do tell you that you can start having sexual intercourse six weeks after you deliver, but we also tell you to try to delay the next pregnancy for about 12 months, okay? So instead, you got pregnant three months later. That's okay. That's not the end of the world. Uh, I have taken care of many women that have gotten pregnant uh, three months after um, they had their babies. So not that big of a deal, but it is something that you have to know about. We have to know about the risk if we decide to have babies back to back like that. So the term originated in the 1800s when Irish Catholic families had babies back to back because they had no access to contraception. So some of people also call these type of twins Dutch twins or Catholic twins. Now I grew up Catholic, so I know, you know, we don't believe in birth control. We believe in being fruitful. Okay. So Irish Catholic twins, this is how the term came about. Now it might sound like fun, but having babies this close together is considered a high-risk pregnancy, whether you know it or not. Having babies born this close together can lead to complications, mainly because you haven't allowed your body to fully heal from the previous pregnancy. First off, having babies this close can cause you to have a higher risk of prematurity. Even if you carry the baby uh, to term, there's an increased risk of having a fast labor, which increases the risk of vaginal and cervical tears, or what we call in the medical field, lacerations 
from a faster delivery. Um, this also increased the risk of hemorrhage because as the uterus collapses really quickly, the placenta can separate really quickly and that can cause you to bleed. Okay. So you have an increased risk of hemorrhage. 61% of babies who conceive within six months of having a previous child, um, have low birth weight. Most of these low birth weight babies are because they're preterm, right? They just haven't gotten big enough because you deliver them early. However, the other reason is due to lack of adequate nutrients. So this because your body, okay, so remember we said before, your blood volume doubles in pregnancy. So it's almost like you have diluted all the nutrients you have and your body is working overtime to absorb more nutrients. That's why you have to eat more in pregnancy, okay? Now, after you deliver, your blood volume goes back down to what it was before pregnancy. So you're gonna shed half of that volume to go back to his pre-pregnancy state, but you still have to build up your nutritional, um, your nutritional um, stores, okay? And you can't really do that if you get pregnant two, three months later, okay? So because of that, there's not enough nutrients for the placenta and the baby that's growing, um, and therefore you have an increased risk of having a small baby, okay? And a low, low birth weight baby. The other reasons that iris trends can be a little riskier is because during the fourth trimester, which is the same thing as within the first three months of delivery, the body is healing. So tears, those tears that we just talked about, the vaginal and cervical tears, they're still healing. If you had a C-section, that previous incision is still healing on your uterus. If you are getting pregnant again, while that uterine scar is healing, all of a sudden it has a growing baby inside of it. Well, you can see how that tissue would be a lot weaker. Okay, so you're going to have a higher risk of that previous incision coming open, which is going to put you at risk for needing another C-section. Don't put you at risk for hemorrhaging. So those are all things that we know about and we are going to look for them. Okay, and not to scare you. But the risk of autism is also increased in that second child who is born within 12 months of the older sibling. The risk of autism is actually three times higher than siblings that are born further apart. And I'm not saying that to scare you. That's just the latest data. Okay. Obviously, there's a lot of kids that are born within 12 months that don't have autism. But I have to tell you about the risk because that's what we bring to the podcast. We bring the data. We bring the facts so that you can make an informed decision. Let's be clear. Iris twins are not really twins. They're just babies that are had back to back. So growing up, they may look like twins because they're a year apart. I guess in in such a sort of in a way, they they... I guess dichorionic and monochorionic, which are the type of twins that are in the uterus at the same time. I guess they are born less than 12 months apart, right? They're born minutes apart. So if you want to be technical, I guess those are a type of iris twin. But we are not talking about those other types of twins today. We're only talking about the risk of Irish twins, okay? Not that type of twins. That type of twin... Whole nother episode, okay? We talked about those types of twins before. Go back and listen to that other episode. Today, we're just talking about Irish twins so people can understand why you're high risk if you have babies back to back. So now that you know a little bit more about Irish twins, 
Let's go to some cases so we can further clarify some things for you guys today. Our first case is a 38-year-old who is 12 weeks pregnant with her second pregnancy. She has just had a previous pregnancy born via C-section five months ago. She had preeclampsia with her last pregnancy and delivered via C-section due to extremely high blood pressures that were difficult to control. She was referred for management and to discuss her risks with her pregnancy. She also would like to have a TOLAC this pregnancy and wants to know if this is possible. Let's break down this case. So you're 12 weeks pregnant. You had a C-section five months ago. So technically, this would be an example of Irish twins, okay? Because right now, you're three months pregnant. Your other baby's five months. So that means that you got pregnant when your baby was two months old, okay? That means that you and your hubby were very, very eager to start back having sexual intercourse. And hey, I don't blame you, right? Six weeks is a really long time to wait. But usually, your body can naturally regulate things if you are breastfeeding. So that's one of the reasons that we ask people to breastfeed because when you breastfeed, especially uh, in that, you know, that's that couple of months afterwards, if you're breastfeeding regularly, that can suppress ovulation. So that's like the body's own natural mechanism of birth control. Okay. If you are consistently breastfeeding, when you don't consistently breastfeed, you are more likely to ovulate. And because you're uh, cycles may not be regular. You may not know when you're ovulating to know when to use birth control and when to not, or when to use condoms and when to not. And as a result, you can get pregnant. Now, some people plan to get pregnant this quickly. And hey, if you did, not knocking you. I'm just the person that's trying to tell you how we're going to get you through this pregnancy now that you are pregnant. Okay. So you're 12 weeks pregnant. You're 38. Your age puts you at an increased risk of having a baby with a chromosome abnormality. Okay, so that's the that's the risk that I see off bat, not because of Irish trends, but just because of your age. So at 38, you have about a one in 144 chance of having a baby with a chromosome abnormality, the most common being Down syndrome. So 12 weeks, I would want to refer you to somebody like me that will do a uh, nuchal translucency, looking at the thickness of the back of the baby's neck. If the thickness on the back of the baby's neck is less than three millimeters, that puts you at a decreased risk of having a baby with chromosome abnormalities. I would also recommend that you have a genetic test to go with that. And that genetic test can be a non-invasive prenatal test or a CVS, depending on how soon you want information. If you don't want information in a hurry, you could also elect to get an amniocentesis if you want to be more definitive, which would not be done until at least 16 weeks when the two layers of the baby's sac have fused, okay? Because we can't put a needle through something that has not fused because that puts you at risk for miscarriages. The biggest thing right now, because of your age, would be getting some type of genetic test. So the least invasive thing you can do is that nuchal translucency screen that looks at the back of the baby's neck. That's a previous episode too, as well as a blood test called the non-invasive prenatal test. Now, the NIPT, what does that do? Okay, The non-invasive prenatal test, that's what NIPT stands for, screens you for Down syndrome, which is an extra copy of the number 21 chromosome, Trisomy 18, which is Edwards syndrome, which is the number, an extra copy of number 18 chromosome, or Patel syndrome, which is an extra copy on chromosome number 13, okay? It's a really good blood test for those things. Down syndrome specifically is 99.2% sensitive for detection of Down syndrome. The other two tests, it's about 97% sensitive for 
trisomy 18 and 92% for trisomy 13, okay? Really good screening test for those three. Those are the three most common chromosomal abnormalities uh, of a live-born baby or a live-born fetus. Um, and so I would recommend getting screened for that, okay? Now, mind you, I know we say people over age 35 have an increased risk of chromosomal abnormalities, but let's put this into perspective, okay? That's still less than a 1% risk. Less than a 1% risk. Let's focus on that. But we still need to get you screened. So that's the first thing I would do. Two, uh, you had preeclampsia with your last pregnancy, which means you had increased risk of preeclampsia with this pregnancy. Uh, you also have an increased risk of preeclampsia because you're 38, okay? So anybody over age 35 or under age 19 have an increased risk of preeclampsia. So you have two factors that put you at increased risk. And the fact that you had Irish twins uh, put you at also at an increased risk because those pregnancy hormones could have still been sort of kind of floating around there when at the time that you got pregnant, okay? So you have a couple of risk factors. Remember, preeclampsia is when you have high blood pressure as well as protein in your urine. Why do we look for protein? Because that's a sign of vascular damage from the kidneys, okay? And so we want to look for that protein to see if you have vascular damage. That's our clue. Now, if you had it the last time, you are at increased risk for getting it earlier in subsequent pregnancies. What can we do to reduce your risk? We can give you aspirin, okay, baby aspirin, to help decrease your risk. You should start it now. So 12 to 16 weeks is when it's most beneficial to reduce the risk of preeclampsia. And we know that hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, preeclampsia being one, is a major cause of maternal morbidity, prematurity, and maternal death. Okay, so we want to make sure we're reducing that risk as much as possible. Now we know the latest data says, hey, in order to be the most effective, we need at least 100 milligrams of aspirin. Okay, where do they sell that at? They don't. So now we know you need two baby aspirins instead of one baby aspirin to try to reduce your risk of preeclampsia, okay? Before, we only gave you one baby aspirin. Now we're telling you we need two, two baby aspirin. You're gonna take it every day until 36 weeks. Talk to your provider about that. There are certain women that shouldn't take this. So if you had a history of bleeding, if you have a bleeding disorder, um, you shouldn't take that. So make sure you talk to your OB. But if they don't mention it, just mention, oh, hey, I heard on pregnancy pearls, I had preeclampsia and I should be taking aspirin with the next pregnancy. Most of the time they'll be like, oh, dang, glad you listened to that. Go ahead and start it, okay? But make sure you mention it to your provider, okay? So you do have an increased risk of that. And then the last thing is the fact that you had a C-section. Okay, you had your C-section five months ago. That's really recent. That scar probably wasn't completely healed when, when you got pregnant. So that means that that previous incision or what's called a uterine rupture can happen. So previous incision coming open, that's uterine rupture. That's a surgical emergency. Is it an absolute contraindication that you cannot have a vaginal delivery? No, okay, you can try to have a TOLAC, which stands for trial of labor after C-section. But I'm telling you, if I was your OB, I wouldn't want you to have a TOLAC. And if you did decide you wanted a trial, I want to make sure you have internal monitors placed so I can measure the strength of each contraction. And that also gives me a clue of when we have rupture. Because all of a sudden, if I lose, lose tone, if I can't monitor the pressure, that could tell me, hey, maybe I have a window there or that previous decision has come open a little bit, and I need to go ahead and take you to the back and do a repeat C-section, okay? 
Is it absolute contraindication to TOLAC? No. Okay, you can have a TOLAC if your OBGYN feels comfortable with it. But having a prior C-section that soon, less than a year, um, I would be very cautious about you getting uh, you having a trial of labor. Okay. And honestly, I would probably encourage you to have another C-section unless you were adamant. And if you were adamant, you had to be in-house. I want to make sure I have an epidural place. Once you're in active labor, I want internal monitors placed. Um, I want those squeezy things called the sequential compression devices on your legs so that we can make sure you don't have any blood clotting because I, you're not the person I want with a walking epidural. You're the person I want to monitor really closely because I want to make sure nothing happens. Now, when you have a uterine rupture, we know how to handle that, right? You need to have a C-section. Rarely, some people may lose their uterus if they bleed too much, but most of the time, it just means you need an emergency C-section, okay? But but if you're at home or you're laboring and you don't know, um, that could mean you bleed a lot and you could lose your uterus. That's the reason that you need to be in-house, and you would need to have internal monitors placed so we can be very, very careful. You're not a person that needs a home birth, okay? So if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to go to a midwife so I can have a vaginal delivery this time, uh-uh, midwives aren't going to take you, okay? You had a, re- a previous C-section. That makes you higher risk, okay, and at risk for a uterine rupture, especially being that it was, you know, now five months ago, but it'll be 10 months by the time you deliver. Still less than a year. You're not a candidate for a home delivery or birthing center delivery. We need to make sure that you are as safe as possible. The case pearl for this case is TOLAC or a trial of labor after cesarean section is not absolutely contraindicated in this instance, but the risk of uterine rupture is higher in this instance. Okay, medical intern, what's our second case? Our second case is a 22-year-old who is 33 weeks pregnant with her second child. She had her last child 10 months ago. She delivered her last child vaginally at 38 weeks. She had no complications. However, with this pregnancy, she has experienced preterm contractions and was told her baby was small for her gestational age. She was referred to discuss her risk with this pregnancy and ways to reduce her risk with future pregnancies. You had your baby 10 months ago. I mean, people are busy. We're busy out here, but I love it. I love the babies. So we're 33 weeks pregnant. The good thing is you've gotten far enough in the pregnancy that if you happen to have a preterm delivery, the baby would actually do well. And that is a risk for you. You're experiencing contractions. We know that people that have Irish twins have an increased risk of having preterm contractions, preterm labor, and a preterm birth. And a smaller baby, okay? So you're fitting the textbook picture of somebody that has uh, Irish twins. That is your risk. Now, what I would do if you're having preterm contractions, at this point, I want to make sure you're seen weekly. Um, If you're having contractions more than 10 in an hour, that means you need to go to the hospital. They need to put you on the monitor and make sure your cervix isn't starting to change. If your cervix is changing at 33 weeks, they'll put you in the hospital they give you steroids that those steroids are betamethasone or dexamethasone. Those are the two different types of steroids they would give you. They help accelerate lung maturity of the baby just in case you need a preterm delivery. Okay. Um, babies that have steroids do a lot better than those that don't have steroids in terms of the amount of time a baby is going to spend in the NICU. For every week a baby's born early, that's a week in the NICU, okay? But steroids decrease that time. So we would give you steroids if that were the case. 
Since you're over 32 weeks, you would not need magnesium for neuroprotection. I know we've talked about that in the past. So neuroprotection basically means we're going to help prevent little baby strokes. Okay, that's called an interventricular hemorrhage, just baby strokes. We're going to help prevent that. After 32 weeks, the risk of that is lower. And so you would not need magnesium um, for what's called neuroprotection. But the steroids you still need. Um you need to hydrate. So sometimes people experience preterm contractions just because they're dehydrated. So I want to make sure that you're hydrated. I want to check your electrolytes and make sure that we don't have to replace any of your electrolyte, especially given that you have Irish twins. I want to make sure you're not anemic, especially given the fact that you have Irish twins. Um, and I want to look at the baby to make sure there's nothing going on with the baby that's making the baby small. Yes, having Irish twins does mean that that second baby does have an increased risk of being smaller. But we got to rule out other things besides just chalking it up to having Irish twins. Let's make sure that the baby doesn't have a brain defect or a heart defect or something else going on that's causing this baby to be smaller. Okay. And I also want to look at the blood flow from the placenta to the baby um, through the umbilical cord. And that's called umbilical artery dopplers and small babies. And when we say small, we mean every any baby that's less than the 10th percentile. We want to make sure that the placenta is functioning and that the umbilical artery dopplers are normal. So blood should always be moving from the placenta toward the baby. If we ever have blood moving from the baby, feeding the placenta, that's a problem. Okay, that means we need to get out because there's a risk of stillbirth. That's why we look at those dopplers, which are reassuring for about seven to 10 days. We look at them every single week. Okay. Now, let me go back because people are like, what is small? My baby's at the 20 percentile. Uh-uh, that's not small. OK, when we put babies on a scale of one being the smallest baby, 100 being the biggest baby, 50 is in the middle. OK, and one patient was like, OK, my baby's at the 60th percentile. Is my baby failing? No, y'all. It's not like a grade. OK, it's not a grade. 50 is in the middle. It's on a bell shaped curve. OK, 10 is skewed to the left. Under 10 is skewed to the left, over 90th percentile skewed to the right. So if you're under the 10th percentile, those are the babies that have an increased risk of stillbirth. So those are also the babies we're going to look at to make sure the blood flow from the placenta to that baby is completely normal. Okay. And we look at that every single week. So when you say small for gestational age, I automatically think under the 10th percentile. If that is not what you meant, if your baby's at the 15th percentile, then we don't have to do Dopplers. Okay. Even if your baby's at the 11th percentile, that is not small, okay? It may be a reason for us to do a growth scan in a month to make sure the baby doesn't become small. But as of right now, that's not a small baby, okay? Under the 10th percentile is what I assume that this case is talking about. And so you need Dopplers every single week until you're delivered. Things that may get you delivered. If the baby doesn't have a good, what's called biophysical profile, a biophysical profile also called a abbreviated as a BPP is a test that looks at the breathing movement, tone and fluid around the baby. And you get two points for each of those categories for a total of eight. Okay. So eight out of eight is equivalent to eight, uh, 10 out of 10. Okay. We don't get one of those points one of those two points then we put you on the monitor and do what's called a non-stress test which is two more points so that means that the total is now out of 10 and we do that because eight out of 10 is equivalent to eight out of eight okay both of those mean there's less than a one in four thousand chance of stillbirth 
let's say you have uh, six out of 10. Okay, you have that twice within 24 hours, that gets you delivered. Okay, if you have abnormal blood flow, so like I said before, if you ever have not a, not enough blood going to the baby or blood going from the baby back toward the placenta, once you're 32 weeks, we get out. And if we have consistent reversal of flow or blood moving from the baby toward the placenta, it doesn't matter what gestational age we are. We're going to look at that really closely. We're going to hospitalize you. And based on, depending on how the baby's tracing is, when we do prolonged monitoring, okay, to listen to the baby's heartbeat, if we have a lot of drops in the heartbeat, that gets you delivered as well. Otherwise, if everything is normal, except for you have a small baby, then you'll be delivered anywhere from 37 to 39 weeks. And that really depends on how big the baby is. And it also depends on uh, the testing. Okay. So if the baby is less than the third percentile, now we know the Lewis guideline says, Hey, you need to be delivered at 37 weeks. If the baby is over that, that wouldn't be severe growth restriction. Then your OB may push you to 38 or 39 weeks, but won't push you further than that. If the baby is truly small. Okay. It basically depends on what else is going on with the baby. And lastly, let's talk about decreasing our risk with future Pregnancies. I mean, the only thing you can do to reduce your risk of this kind of stuff happening again is to try to delay pregnancies for at least 12 to 18 months. Okay, so you need 12 to 18 months before you get pregnant um, to reduce those risks. But sometimes that doesn't, you know, negate the risk at all. Okay, if you end up having a baby preterm this time because you're 32 weeks, 33 weeks and you're having preterm contractions. Let's say you actually end up delivering this baby early. Then we know that you may need progesterone supplementation to help decrease the risk of a preterm delivery. We may need to do serial cervical lengths or um, look at the length of your cervix. Remember, the cervix is the opening of the uterus. We may need to measure that. And if that measurement is less than 2.5 centimeters, then you may need uh, what's called a cerclage. We've talked about that before in the episode who gets the stitch so you may need a circular so it really depends on what else happens and the outcome of this pregnancy that has a big bearing on what we would do to decrease your risk with future pregnancies but the case pearl for this case pregnancy should be delayed 12 to 18 months to reduce your risk of preterm delivery and fast deliveries with subsequent pregnancies all right uh, medical intern what's our emailed question this one says, Dr. Plenty, my friend had a twin pregnancy and had to stay in the hospital for six weeks due to rupture of membranes. She had one baby at 26 weeks and the other at 32 weeks. I guess that means that she had Irish twins instead of identical twins. How is this possible? So it's really rare. Your friend still had twins. I don't know if they're identical or not because I don't know if they're, you know, uh, dichorionic, meaning the egg split between one to three days of fertilization or two different eggs were fertilized um, uh, around the same time. So that's not chorionic twins or whether they were monochorionic twins that split a little bit later than that. So I don't really know what she, what kind of twin that she's having, but it sounds like she had twin pregnancies of some sort, not necessarily Irish twins. Okay. So, I mean, like I say, technically speaking, if you want to be technical and say, oh, she had babies less than 12 months apart, those were Irish twins, I, I guess. But when we're talking about Irish twins, we're actually talking about having sex and getting pregnant 
two separate times. Like you had a baby and then you had sex and you had another baby and it's just less than a year. Okay. That's what we mean by Irish twins. So your friend did not have Irish twins. How is this possible though? So what happens is your friend's water broke and we probably slammed everything at her. We gave her magnesium to try to relax the uterus as well as for neuroprotection. Remember we talked about neuroprotection, meaning helping prevent little strokes in the baby's brain. Okay. Um, the first baby probably delivered because she was contracting. She was already ruptured. And what we do to try to keep the second baby in is we clamp that cord as high as possible. And then we bolus patients with magnesium or some tocolytic, usually it's magnesium that we're using to try to get the uterus relaxed. That's not textbook. That's a Hail Mary. I've done plenty of Hail Marys, okay? Because we want to try to get mom at least one baby that's going to go home. And I say that because 26-week babies, they spend a lot of time in the NICU. They have a really high chance of not making it. Now, I've seen a lot of 26-week babies walk out, not walk out of the NICU. Moms carry them out of the NICU. I've seen a lot of 26-week babies make it, okay? But I've seen some babies not make it. And we know that that's a risk at 26 weeks because the lungs aren't really developed as well. You have an increased risk of hemorrhage in the brain. And so there's a lot of complications from prematurity that we encounter at 26 weeks. So we want to do everything we can to keep that second baby inside. So we're giving steroids we're giving magnesium to help relax the uterus sometimes we keep moms on bed rest sometimes we tilt moms and put them on trendelic merc meaning the bed is slanted slightly so that the mom is sort of laying on their head um because we're trying to keep the baby in as, as much as possible and we're keeping moms on bed rest right we're making them use a bedpan we're making them you know we're putting compression devices on their legs to prevent blood clotting trying to get them as far out as we possibly can okay that's probably why that happened and i've had that happen before where we delivered one twin and then two weeks later three weeks later the second twin delivered the good thing is she had six whole weeks i mean her doctors did a phenomenal job keeping that baby inside because she made it to 32 weeks so that's how that happened okay it's just that she delivered one baby and we tried to keep everything we could to keep the second baby inside and she delivered the second baby weeks later. That happens. And that's a complication with twins and prematurity. And we do all we can to try to keep both babies in as long as possible. But if we deliver one baby, we try to at least keep the second baby in as, as, um, as long as we possibly can. All right. I think that's all the questions that we have today. And my medical intern is shaking her head. Yes. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls podcast. I hope that you've learned a little bit more about Irish twins today. If you've been enjoying the podcast, make sure to rate and leave a comment on your preferred platform. And please don't keep me a secret. The best Christmas gift you can give me is sharing me with your friends. If you or someone you know has a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Pliny for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening.
Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.